Welcome to Bossy, Brilliant, and Badass, a weekly conversation about business, careers, and personal development designed to inspire, educate, and motivate you, and sometimes ourselves, to show up powerfully, live fearlessly, and to find and unleash your inner badass. I'm Lisa Lindsay. I'm Liz Green. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Bossy, Brilliant, and Badass. I'm Lisa Lindsay here with my valued co-host, Liz Green. Hey, Liz. Hi, Lisa. Values. Hmm. <laughs> yes. That's what we're talking about. Yes. So how important are values to you? I think they're absolutely critical, right? And as I've mentioned in the episode coming up that, you know, I'm an HR person. And for me, it is the most important thing for an organization to do because it lays the foundation for your organization's culture. It's all about what the things you're going to do in your organization. And a lot of times I need to also add the things you are not going to do in your organization, right? So the things that are going to be important to how you're going to operate your business and what is going to be important every time you make a decision, right? That's my little spiel about it. (laughs) It sounds like a lot of clarity within the organization, clarity and communication around that. Yeah, it helps you to get super, super clear. It helps you to make decisions, right? So for example, one of our values that we've came up with, and I only remember this one, so forgive me, is have fun, right? And And when I think about it, it's not always top of mind, but when we're talking to guests and pre-chats and what we're doing, it's something. So I always think, am I going to have fun with this person when we're talking to them? Is it going to be a fun conversation? And I guarantee you, if I were to quiz you, the best conversations we've had on the podcast were always about with guests who we had fun with during a conversation. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you are so right about that. And people always leave, and usually this is after we've pressed stop recording, and they say nine out of 10 times, that was so fun. 100%. I had so much fun with you guys. <laughs> yes. yes. So yeah, 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 so it's nice to see that that value that we have has really, um, it's worked out, it's well-received. That's a value I have just across the board in right. life, life and value. in my businesses. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there's been people that we've spoken with in pre-chats and decided, you know what, maybe it's not a good fit for our kind of fun, right? Maybe they have fun in different ways, but not our kind of fun. So not our kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we always say, can picture, you know, having a conversation. So we always say to people, having a conversation, maybe a drink, if you don't drink, glass of whatever, club soda, we're just hanging out, a cup of coffee. And we're just chilling and we're having a nice conversation, which hopefully is fun as well. Yeah. So that's one way. I mean, keeping it top of mind. I mentioned this in the episode, making sure it's like your North Star. And I mean, our guest, her name is also Lisa, (laughs) had so much to say about it because it's an exercise that she recently went through. And I think that her tips about how you go about it and why it's important are really, really, was really great. Yeah, really good. I learned so much, actually. She was just a wonderful guest. So let's bring her on. Her name is Lisa Morton, and she's the founder and CEO of Roland Dransfield. And they're based in Manchester, England. So it was 
I don't know, six or seven hours ahead for her. <laughs> she's like almost at her bedtime. So it's really cool that she's able to come on. And they have offices in London, Los Angeles, and a couple of other big cities. Yeah, so let's bring her on. Lisa, a fellow Lisa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for asking me to join you. We're delighted. We're delighted. All right, so we're going to talk about something that we haven't really talked about just on its own in the show before, and that's about values. Now, I think before we kind of get into the meat of it, when we say values, what exactly are we talking about? Hmm. Yeah, well... So values are what you stand by, what you live by, and and how you show up in life. It's equally important to understand what your values are as an individual, as a human. They're really, really important around your business. Excellent. Excellent. I know that it seemed weird, right, Liz? But one of the things that we made sure to do was to call out what our values were when we were putting together the show and like what things were important to us because we thought it was really important to have them. But anyway, we'll get into why that is. So that's part of what attracted us to this idea of having you on, because I think values are important, hugely important. From your perspective, because we have our own perspective, from your perspective, why are having values as a business owner really important? Yeah, well, I think we all have our values as we go through life and different experiences shape us and shape our values but very few people I think really sit down and work out how do they show up or how do they want to show up in life and as a result of not doing that personally I've got a PR business we communicate we help people to create relationships and show up in their business world and I'm always just so shocked and taken aback how few businesses really understand and live their values every day And that's not to say that they don't have the values and they may even be up on the wall as you walk into reception, but they may also be locked in a drawer somewhere after some very expensive consultant has helped that business put those values together. They certainly don't lift them and all their team and their clients and their ecosystem around that business don't truly understand what that organization stands for. There's a reason that we went through this process as a business and it changed my life and it changed the business completely. And I was told it would happen. I didn't quite believe it. The reason I did it was because we were going through a very exciting time as a business. We were growing massively about three years ago and I'd made some quite senior lateral hires in the business rather than kind of being an organic development, I suppose. We thought we'll bring in some people who got lots of experience and it was amazing for six months or so. It was, we're all on this high octane honeymoon. And then when that honeymoon period was over, I started to realize that some of these senior people, their values weren't aligned with me and how I wanted to operate the business. So there was a massive disconnect. So I suddenly felt that I didn't even want to go in the office. I was out of kilter. I realized that's because I had not stated and embedded and communicated my values. So everyone was kind of rocking up at work every day, hustling with their own, and it wasn't working. It got to a crisis point, and I thought, I've got to save myself and save my business from going down a route that is really not right for me. And uh, we had a very, very tough meeting with the team that the business changed, and my life changed in actual fact. 
So how then do you flesh out or figure out what your values even are from a business perspective? Because there are things we're taught as children that we grow up with and things we believe. But when you get into business and as humans walking the earth, but when you get into business, there are different things that are going to matter, at least from my perspective. So how do you flesh those out? How do you figure out what exactly they are? Well, the exercise that I went through came from the point of being at the lowest possible place I could be. It's like it was came from a place of what it felt like trauma because, you know, I've had a business now 25 years. At that point, it was 22. So it was as much of my life as my two amazing kids are. So it was so uncomfortable. It's like going into my own home and not feeling that I was welcome in that home. So in actual fact, that came from a negative, but it became very positive. And, and what we did there was ultimately, I sat and took time out to think about what do I want this business to feel like? I knew what it, could, it looked like. It was what, how does it feel? And what do I want it to feel? And the reality of that is it's a personal thing as well. I mean, even though I absolutely believe, and we did do this, we brought our team with us, we involved them. We didn't impose values. That was a piece of work I was actually doing on myself, I suppose. So the values that we have in place as a business, every one of them absolutely speaks to me. It resonates with everything I am as a person. So now, and the good values, so some of those values were created by other people, but they spoke to me. So I know that that gives me security as a business leader that's not going to be detracted from now. We're going to attract the right people because they will align with their values. And those people who can't work with those values will leave. But I think from a personal point of view, Lisa, you know, you just said there about we show up in life as a product of some of those experiences that we've gone through. And we do. I mean, we don't just turn up in the office as a leader. We turn up as sometimes a scared little girl or as the elder sibling who had to look after all of the kids in the family. That comes with us. And we should use that because often that makes us who we are and makes us authentic leaders. But from my own personal experience, I'd realized that we're great parents, but the values of my mum and dad were very, very different. And I realized going back that I was in a conflict in that, or I was trying to show up in both of their worlds, basically, which created confusion for me. And it created confusion for me also in how I show up in that business environment. So my mum, for example, her view was, you go to the back of the queue and once everybody else has been looked after, then you can come forward. That's the kind, polite thing to do. We look after other people and then we take what's left. She didn't mean it in a negative way, but that's it was having I, a negative impact. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got my dad who was a driven entrepreneur, come from nothing. He wanted to put more bread on his table than his father had been able to do. So it's all about performance. You know, I had to run the fastest, I had to jump the highest, I had to dance the best, I had to ride the best, and I had to get the best results at school for him to validate me. So I've got that going on, and I've got my mum going, you hold back. So when I go into a business environment, <laughs> I'm trying to be all of these things. I'm trying to keep everyone happy, and ultimately, you're a people pleaser, which a lot of leaders are. And being a good person isn't enough as a leader. It doesn't make you necessarily effective. And being a people pleaser is really absolutely not the right way to lead. But by doing that values piece was life-changing. It freed me to have to check in and make sure I was pleasing people or making decisions that didn't please me but, but would please others. So once you have those values in place, 
you can bring people back when the behaviors don't work or don't align with you personally. It's not personal anymore. It's the values of the organization. But you can also show up in life by saying, these are my boundaries. I now know what my boundaries are. I know what my non-negotiables are. So you can do that in a personal environment too. It's as though weight's been lifted off my shoulders because I can now say to my mum, no mum, I understand and that that was a thinking in when you were growing up and in your life. But for me, I need to put my breathing apparatus on first. Otherwise, I can't help everybody. I can't help other people. Yeah, that's really fascinating, isn't it? How we sometimes tend to take other people's values as our own, particularly our parents or how we've grown up or what have you. We kind of bring that to the table. And oftentimes we don't know what our actual values are for ourselves, right? Until we sit down and really figure that out and look inside, and then we can create those boundaries and show up in an authentic way. Now, my question is, how do we then take that dive in and figure out what our values are? You know, I don't know what my values are. What's the process? How would you do that? If somebody's had that conversation to say, how do I get to my values? How do I understand what's important to me? That process, you mean? Yes. What's the process? Yeah, right. Yeah. And showing up in business with yeah. being able to articulate, these are what my values are. Because I'm hearing what you're saying is it's really important to communicate what your values are, not to have them sort of behind the closed door, but to be able to communicate them and have others communicate so that you can kind of, okay, well, now I know yours. These are mine. And my question is, how does one break it down and get there, particularly in business? What we did is we went through a process which I've now taken lots of clients through and it really does work. It also means that you're likely to lose some people whilst you're doing that process or certainly in probably the year after once you start to really embed them because it's very difficult to show up in an organization where the values run through the DNA of the organization. They're not in the draw. So I explain what we did there. But to start off, our team at that point, we had probably 12 people, 12, 13 people in the team. My first meeting, this fantastic new office had just moved into, the very first meeting was a very tough meeting. And, and I explained that we weren't a high-performing team, that the culture of the business wasn't in line with how I wanted to show up every day, and therefore we're going to make some changes. And I explained that we were going to go through this process. I wanted everybody in input, but at any point in that process, if people felt they couldn't have integrity around them or that they were really struggling with where we were going, let's have a dead honest conversation about that and say, this organization is not going to be for you anymore. Let's not go through that painful 12-month period. If it's not for you, where we're going, just shout up ASAP. And we did have that. We did have some people say, this is rubbish. This is just the soft stuff. This is not what we need to do. But the process we did is that I asked everybody to go away and come back with a set of values or the code of conducts or the culture of a number of different organizations. So sports teams, charities, businesses, and really study them and start to lean into what spoke to them. So everybody did that. And then they came back. We, had, we kind of did a couple of workshops where ultimately we discussed them. So people would say, I absolutely love the way that Team GB, for example, what they stand for, or one of the amazing kind of mantras that we're influenced by was the All Blacks, which is the New Zealand rugby team. I mean, 
we take a lot of our values from their culture. So we worked all of that together. And then we had a you know whiteboard session where we were putting post-it notes up around the room and everyone had to choose something they felt really excited about. And it was amazing. I mean, that was such a creative session. And you could see people be inspired by some of the world's leading organizations and how they show up. So it was an amazing and it created so much conversation. And then we started to group those around different pillars. So around people or performance or purpose or legacy, we kind of built that little kind of those culture pieces. And then we got to write them and we got to choose our top two. And then we whittled them down and whittled them down. And that process took a lot of work, took three months when we were truly happy with them. And then we wrote the values and then we wrote an explanation for all of them so we could really live the value. Got them up on the wall. We have beautiful wallpaper printed. So one complete side of the office has got the values on. We went through the website. We changed our personal development plans to incorporate how people show up and let's measure our team against the behaviors and the values, not just financial performance or client service. Every Monday morning, we sit down as a team and one of the team members proposes one of our values to live for that week. We go away and live it. And then the following Monday, we come back and explain where we might have been challenged around it, what success is, where we felt that we really would manage to influence somebody around that value. So it is absolutely everything that we do. And I would say that the business in the past three years has become its values. That's what we're known for. We've attracted so many amazing clients on the back of our values piece. They don't come to us because we're a PR or communications agency. They now come because they know we live our values and they want us to help them find and communicate theirs. Yeah, that's excellent. So you went through and you were kind of talking about it as from an established company's perspective. And I kind of want to pause and highlight because this is sort of me as an HR professional, this is kind of the bread and butter of what we do for culture development. That's another thing that we call it. What are going to be the pillars of your culture and how are you going to develop it? Now, one, as an established company that hadn't done that, that's a very interesting process too. But I personally like to advocate to people to do it as soon as you're going to have a company. Even before you hire your first person, you kind of want to get clear. Now, it doesn't mean that five, 10 years down the road, you're not going to refine those or a couple of years even that you're going to refine them a little bit once the DNA of your organization starts to make sense with new people in it. But you definitely, definitely, definitely want to sit down and at least run through that first exercise. And it's hard to do. It's hard (laughs) to do. And it takes a lot of time to get it done and get it fleshed out. But the other side of what I want to say is sometimes from my perspective, It feels a little aspirational, like all of your values don't have to be things you're doing today. It could be one or two of them are about who you want to be. And that's another way to think about it, flesh out the idea of how do I want to be and who do I want to be every day and what we try to do when we get up in the day. So I like the way you guys got to it, but there are plenty of ways to get to it. And it just mostly sits, means sitting down and really reflecting. Definitely. And it's a great piece of work to do personally. And you're right, Lisa, I think there are lots of iterations of values. And if I go back to when I set my business up, when I was 28, I was really clear on how what I wanted my business to be about. And I've still got that notebook where I wrote that down. But then you go through uh, different iterations as individually as a person, don't you? And other, there are other things that come into your life that kind of not your distract you or take you off that. So I think 
it's a constant piece of work. Yeah, you're right. You know, we should, as organizations and leaders, we should just be always keeping ourselves in check and seeing where we are in terms of what we set for ourselves. Yeah, that's excellent. I wanted to comment as well on the idea of posting them up. And I sort of went, hmm, we post them up. Okay. I think that that's great. So people are seeing them and they're always visible with people. And I've seen companies do a lot of different things. But I sort of want to say posting them up is not the end of it. So I like that you talked about your Monday thing that you guys do as a way to continue to embed them. Because I like to say, if you ever take a look at what Enron's values were, they always said that they were going to act in integrity and they did not. (laughs) So that's a company that I like to point to as an organization. Just because you say them doesn't mean that you're doing them. So you've got to take the next step to do them. Totally agree. And also what's really interesting, and I think it's been even more obvious over the last 18 months with COVID, is that a requirement to be really transparent as a business and to really have that integrity piece. So as you say, it's not enough to say that this is what we stand for and then not live it. And there are so many examples of that. I mean, an example is a disruptive brand in the UK, and they set out very clearly what their culture was and what they stood for. Then a load of employees came out and literally trashed them in the media and on social media to say, it's actually a hierarchical, misogynistic environment. And so the purpose of the business, the growth piece, yeah, they've got that right. But how they're actually discarding and exploiting us as people who are taking that journey is wrong. Now, to their credit, they held their hands up and they said, one of our values is, is admit it, fix it, move on. Okay, so And that's not a cop out. That's just, you're going to get some stuff wrong. I mean, that's very wrong. We all have blips, but they just, a very young business making very big claims. It wasn't a lived experience for the people who were helping them make those profits. But to be fair, they did some lives, they did some YouTube, and they were, they said, we have really got this wrong and we are going to make these changes. We are very sorry and we are glad that we've had the opportunity to be called out because it's made us really have to look at what we've done. And they have made those changes and I admire that. They're not bad people. They've got carried away on a crest of a huge growth. The last 18 months we expect it more. You can't have your values in an envelope, in a drawer anymore because we have social media, we have the internet. You're two taps away, aren't you, from actually looking, finding that story. So as a communications consultancy, not that I've ever agreed to hide anything, but in the olden days, the old PR people, they could cover stuff up. They could hide a story and give some, you can't do that now. So you have to show what your values really. And Ben Horowitz says, you know, you are what you do your actions. I read this, plant trees you'll never see, volunteer and do pro bono work. That's my favorite value. That's our 15th value. And that's all about we're here as humans and as businesses, not to use up all the resources in the world, use them more than we put in. It's our responsibility to leave that legacy piece. What we do as human beings is not just to consume stuff, and to do the piece of work that's in front of us. It's how do we use our platforms and our influence and our relationships to make either our corner of the world a better place or the world a better place. Plant Trees You'll Never See is about leaving a legacy out of respect for those who follow and making sure that to some degree, I suppose my mum was right in a way, that's the bit where you should put yourself a little bit to the back of the queue. It's your role and your integrity and your purpose every day that can make that difference. So our team, we do plant trees. We encourage our clients to plant trees. 
all our team members are given four volunteering days a year and more if they really want it to go and plant trees or do something for the community or a cause that's really important to them. We give a percentage of our profits to purposes and we do a lot of pro bono work where we can. So every single person on our team has a pro bono client, which we will support because for us, we want to make sure that that platform is, we've created stuff and we put more in than we've taken out. And that's really important. You mentioned that this exercise three years ago has been life-changing for your business and life-changing for you personally. Can you share with us in what ways it has been life-changing? What has been the impact for you overall? One of our values is, I think you probably call it, Athels is more of the American term, but that's one of our values because I think it's very easy in life and in business to attract narcissists. And they arrive, as we know, we've all had experience. (laughs) There's a big red flag and you ignore the big red flag because they come into your organization and they tell you and mirror the stuff that you need to hear. Same with some clients, you know, the clients you think, my God, they're too good to be true. And if they seem too good to be true, (laughs) they definitely are. I think stuff like that around boundaries has helped us in that case to say, right, we're going to offboard this client in actual fact. This is a legacy client. They're giving us a headache. They're undermining our team. I was in an environment when I first started my career when I had to work with some unbelievably awful people because I was a young trainee and I had no say. I had to go into that firing line and deal with that misogyny or whatever. Our team is completely protected from being exploited because they know that we will not put them in that position with a client or with a team member. That's life-changing. And so I can guarantee to our team members that you will never, ever be expected to work with a, one of the – and if it's on the wall in two, two feet letters, if you are one in the business, you can't walk past that every day when you go to the loo, to the bathroom, When if you're thinking, you know what, I am one, I'm going to need to so, – it's kind of self-qualifying in a way. And then, you know, in your own life, I mean, I've had my own fair share of narcissists, which is the whole people-pleasing thing. And now I'm really clear on that. And the other thing that is life-changing is the fact that once you have your values, they might not be other people's values, but you're clear on them. So you don't need to check in as a human being or as a leader or as a, a team member as to, am I okay for thinking this? Is this okay? Because they're not, because these are your values. So you can promote your boundaries. You can celebrate your boundaries because they are yours. And as long as they resonate with you, it kind of takes away the distraction from the detractors. Because people are always going to criticize you or say you're not good enough or your business is this. And you might get some stuff wrong, but you can say very clearly to those people, that's okay, you know, I accept your opinion this is where we're going. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. And that's a good feeling when you can provide that security and safety for your team as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Your team sounds very fortunate. Sounds like a wonderful organization. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like what you were saying about it being self-qualifying, right? Because I tend to find that in a couple of different ways. What I mean by that simply is, Employees will self-select in or out. Yeah. And clients will self-select in or out as well. Because if they're having a conversation with you, or if they read your values on your website and they're like, eh, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not narcissistic enough for me. So, <laughs> so, 
So um, I'm probably not going to hire her to do it. She keeps talking about this integrity thing. Like, what the hell is that? Right. But in all seriousness, yes, it's been my experience as well. But I like what Liz just said about your team being fortunate. And the reason why I like that is because I think that that's something people miss when they're building companies and they're adding people to their organizations. They miss that it's important to make sure that your employees, your team is safe and values and having the right kinds of the ones that work for your organization also lend safety to the mm. team yeah. and security to the team as well. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, it's interesting, your background then, is that something that you see evidence in people that you talk to? We know that when there's churns in organization, you can have some of the biggest businesses and the fastest growing businesses going, that revolving door. And that revolving door has got to be because the culture and the values of that organization, even if that's not stated and, and the candidate doesn't articulate it that way. Yeah. So often what I see happening, right, when you've got this high turnover, you've got toxic environment is a couple of different reasons. One, it's because you don't know what your values are and you haven't set them and you haven't figured out how to embed them. Maybe you've set them and you don't know how to embed them. You don't really embed them. You don't follow them, right, which we talked about before. And then the second piece is you have an outlier somewhere. So maybe you've got a manager existing somewhere, kind of like your senior leaders that you were talking about, who could care less. They're like, values, yeah, 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 (laughs) right? And they're going to operate in a certain way. So I think if you're serious about them, kind of like you said, it becomes the measure. I call them a little bit the North Star. And then you think about what behaviors do I need to see exhibited for a person who is living this value? And how do I encourage them to do that? So when you're interviewing people, you're checking against those values. When you're doing performance reviews, you're checking against those values. And then everything you do is all around those values. Like you're living them every day and you're going to fail a little bit sometimes. They might need to be reworked like we talked about. But honestly, if you've got somebody who is not living it, and I mean, I know employees love to call you out when you're not living it. I have had that happen to me so many times when somebody has said, oh, well, you HR person, you need to go get so-and-so together because they're not. (laughs) right? So they love to call you out, especially if you're big on them, they will. So yeah, I have seen it a lot that people don't think that that's why they fail. They think it's because lack of money, lack of, it's the soft stuff. They think it's about not bringing enough revenue, but all of that soft stuff leads you to a positive place of growth in your business. And I don't think a lot of people see that, which is again, one of the reasons why I thought, it would be great to bring this kind of conversation in to the podcast. Yeah, definitely. And I think probably when we interview people now, we ask them to present to us on two of the values of the business that really resonate with them. And it's really interesting because if you ask somebody to do that, it's a vulnerable ask, isn't it? We're more interested in that than specific experience because you can teach all the other stuff. But if they fundamentally, if we don't really feel that they really thought that through and taken that time again and done some self-reflection, then they probably won't fit into our organization. And if anyone has just done that, you can see they've done it on the back of a, we've got a fag packet that would say in the UK, if they've done that, it's just a no-no straight away because we spend more time around the values in the interview than we would do on anything else. Interesting about values. So what happens when values differ? 
within partnerships or what have you? I think values can differ. I think as long as you understand values and values are clear and they're spoken, I think conversations around values is really interesting. And you can find personal and professional growth, can't you? You know, my values as a business might be very different from yours. Very, very different. I'm guessing there's integrity, right, at the center of those values. So where there's integrity, you can shape your values around lots of different pillars. So, for example, your values around your people or the values around your service delivery or your values around what purpose or legacy you want your organization to have. But at the center of that, there is integrity. If you're working with the organization or you're in a relationship with a person as a friendship, family, romantic, if the integrity piece is not there and you both don't stand in line around integrity, that's where the clash is. So I think your values can differ as long as you're showing up with integrity. And I love discussing people's values because they're enlightening and I can reflect them back on ours and can grow through them. But it's that integrity piece and that that determination that as a human being or as a business, you're going to show every day. It delivers the values that are important to you. Of your values, which one is your favorite one? Because you sounded like you said you had 15. Yeah, we've got 15. And, the and trees. The trees, that's my favorite one. That is. But then the other one is also, I do think my other favorite is leaders create leaders. And that to me is so important because that's about empowerment. I mean, I've just read John Amici's book, Promises of Giants. If you've not read it, it's absolutely fascinating. I would wholeheartedly recommend that. What he's saying in that is that we're all giants and we're all leaders, but we're brought up possibly to not believe that we are, that we couldn't lead other people or we couldn't inspire other people. So for me, any future-proofed organization, you've got to create leaders. And I went back to when I first started in my first job, my second job in particular, the person who ran the agency would take all the credit off you for doing anything. It was threatened by your successes. So you're not going to create leaders in that situation. So we believe that an organization shouldn't be hierarchical. And one of the reasons why we had to put the values piece in is because you got traditional senior people in the business whose values were nowhere near as good as somebody who's come into that organization with six months experience. But because they're more senior and paid higher, they were able to undermine the values of that person and set some that just weren't aligned. So Leaders Create Leaders is about you can have leaders at any position in your ranks. It's our responsibility to bring those people through and teach them. And if they understand the values, they can pretty much go wherever they want to go. The values mean also that the younger people in the organization could call out the ones that were not showing up. One of our values is Sweep the Sheds. And Sweep the Sheds comes straight from the All Blacks team. So the All Blacks are one of the most successful sports teams in the world. They're incredible. So they'll go out and they'll win pretty much everything. But when they've won on the field, they come back in. And after they celebrated, they allow everyone to go. And then they personally, that A-team, tidies their shed, their dressing room up so it's perfect. And they apply the same discipline to making sure their environment is perfect as they do to the performance on the field. So... To me, that's everything. It's the small things. That's what a leader's about. It's not getting over the final touchline. It's actually all those hours and all those things you do before that. So our team, as somebody who's got six months experience, if the senior director does not move the coffee cups 
and leaves all their stuff in their boardroom after a meeting for somebody else to pick up, that six-year-old apprentice, the six-month-old apprentice can say, Oi, sweep the sheds, come on. So you can have your younger people calling out the behaviours. And it's quite funny in actual fact because you go, sorry, yeah. So you can turn the whole thing on its head and it's not just the more senior people who are checking and benchmarking the behaviour of younger people because just because you're old doesn't mean to say your values are any better than somebody who's young. I love that. (laughs) So Lisa, what is the big takeaway? Yeah. So for me, because it's so relevant to the last three years of my life, and I would say I'm happier now than I've ever been in business and personally, is take that time, invest in yourself and take that time out to really spend time with you and center and think about what's important to you. What makes you happy? What makes you feel fulfilled? What really hurts who you are as a person? What makes you in your gut when you know it doesn't feel right? Because that's the starting point from which you can build your own personal values. And then if you are a business leader or you have your own organization, it absolutely flows. Those values will work through into your business. And I think set boundaries. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed of a boundary. Celebrate your boundaries. You can always move those boundaries out. But I think it's really important to be clear to people what your non-negotiables are, because that gives you respect and it gives you safety and it gives you strength to make decisions that you feel really, really comfortable about making for you. Excellent. Love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. And thank you for being our badass of the week. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited to be a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. That's it for us this week. Remember, you can find anything we referenced in the episode in our show notes on our website, bossybrilliantbadass.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. It helps us get found. And thank you for listening. There'll be more Bossy Brilliant Badass next week. So until then, be be a badass. badass.